Hey there, and thank you for tuning into the King's House podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until a family is there, then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. series called Pursue with All Your Heart. And two weeks ago, I challenged you just that, the promise from Jeremiah 29, verse 13, that you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's something so significant about doing something with all your heart. And last week, I taught you how to be successful in your pursuit, not just be out there spinning your wheels, but if you're going to pursue with all your heart, I want you to find God. He wants you to find God. And if you're going to find him, you got to have some passion, some persistence, and a belief that God wants to be found. He desperately wants to be found. Today on part three, I want to start in Philippians chapter three, verse 12. You know this verse quite well, I'm sure, says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Aren't you glad that God has a way of helping you forget what's behind, King's house? Forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The title of the message this morning is The Prize. Man, I appreciate Paul's passion. He wants to press on. He's straining for. He wants to not only just run the race, he wants to win the prize. I can relate to this, man, that kind of passion and tenacity. I hate losing. If I'm going to do it, I want to win. But you got to ask yourself the question is, what is the prize? What is it that we're supposed to be straining toward, pursuing, believing for? What is that? I've said it before, but if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. What is the prize that should be the center point pursuit of the heart of every believer? What's the prize? A couple ideas as I thought about, like, what is the prize, you know? I think it could be a couple different things. Eternal life, perhaps. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful prize. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, Jesus said that, that I go to prepare a place for you so that you can be where I am also. Revelations gives us description of this place, not, not in great detail, but we know that God's going to dwell with his people. We know there ain't going to be no more tears, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death. Can I get a witness on that? That's awesome. Really good news, man. I mean, that's, that's quite a prize, but I don't think that's what Paul was referring to. The truth is, is that eternal life is not something that we have to strive for. Eternal life is not something that you have to necessarily pursue. Eternal life is found in one place, friends, and that is salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the only place you can find salvation. In Ephesians 2, 8, when talking about salvation, it says this, that salvation is by grace, 
through faith. It is the free gift of God. Man, come on, somebody. Jesus paid for that salvation with his blood, and now you or I, we can't earn that salvation. All the works and all the striving do you absolutely no good. You can't earn salvation. You most certainly do not deserve salvation. You freely accept salvation by saying yes to Jesus, man. And he designed it this way, even though it's unbelievable, because Ephesians 2, 9 says, so that no man could boast. He created it that way, where it's just this free gift. The story of salvation isn't so you can stand up and say, man, look at me. Man, I did so good, and I did this right, and I did this right, and I did this right. That's not the, the story of salvation doesn't say, look at me. The story of salvation says, man, would you look how good God is. I literally had nothing to do with the process, man. That's the way that God designed it, that he could take a sinner like me, that he could wash away my past, give me a future and a hope, give me a plan and a purpose, man, the free gift of salvation. Eternal life, man, I am looking forward to it. But that's not what I'm striving towards. That work's already done. Jesus did that on the cross. Maybe the prize that we're supposed to be pursuing, going after to win, I mean, maybe it's just a really blessed life. The blessings of God. I mean, maybe he just wants us to, to bless us and give us a good life and prosper us. I mean, it's not a bad prize, honestly. Many of us probably have this belief that, that if I just do things right, then I'm going to be blessed. If I just do things right, it's a belief we have. If I put God first, if I seek him, if I do the things I'm supposed to do, man, I'm going to church, I'm paying my tithes, I'm serving, check, check. I mean, I'm, God's going to bless me, woo! Things are just going to work out. My kids are always going to make great decisions. My marriage is just going to be, I mean, I'm doing things right, I'm going to be blessed, problem is, is I know a lot of people that love Jesus with all their heart, that seek him with all their heart, that follow him with all their heart, and they have lived through some hell. Can I get a witness this morning? Man, they didn't do anything wrong. They did everything in their power to do things right, but sometimes you can be trying to do right and some bad things can still be happening in your life. Man, you can raise those kids in church. You can raise them to be men and women of God. You can teach them the Bible. You can take them to kids camp and stuff. You can do all those things and those kids can still grow up and make terrible decisions. Just because you did things right doesn't ensue some kind of easy free pass to life. Consider the fact that the creator of the universe, God, had two kids, and he still couldn't keep them straight. Think about it. He had two kids. I wish that life was a fairy tale, and if you just did X, Y, Z, then everything would. But that's not the case. We have a free will. Time for people to take some personal responsibility for their choices. Well, if my pastor was better, and if the church did this, and if they had this ministry, and if my mama did this, and if my dad, I mean, all these lists of, of why your life is the way that it is. Friends, I don't know if you've ever considered this, but Judas had the world's greatest pastor, the world's greatest teacher, the world's greatest leader, the world's greatest friend. No one loved or had compassion quite like Jesus did, and Judas still screwed his life up. And that wasn't on Jesus. Woo, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> 
If you want to see the source of your problems, friend, there's some mirrors right outside in the hallway. You can do everything the right way, and sometimes things still go wrong. On the flip side, man, I, I know some people in this world who are heathens, capital H, heathens, sinners. Man, they are evil. They are corrupt. There is not one shred of character or integrity. Every decision they make is selfish, and it just seems like they are so blessed. Come on. You know those people, everything they touch turns to gold, and you're sitting over here doing your best like, God, what in the what? Come on, Jesus, throw me a bone. What's going on? Scripture makes it very clear that God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust, friends. So what's the point? I mean, if I can do everything right... And my life can still be difficult and full of hardships and would appear to not really be that blessed. Or I can do everything wrong and live however I want and still leave a, a seemingly similar life. Then what's the point? I mean, why don't we just go sin? Let's just go do what we want to do. Have some fun. I mean, what's the point? And I think that mindset in itself is the problem that we are absolutely missing the point. The trap that many believers have the opportunity to fall into is the trap of seeking God's hands. We want to seek God for the blessings. We want to seek God for the benefits. We want to seek God for what he can do for us. But can I tell you this morning, friends, you were never called to seek God's hand. You've been called to seek God's face. Yeah, that, that's what scripture says. First Chronicles 16 says this, look to the Lord in his strength. Now read this with me. Seek his face. Seek his face always. Not for the benefits, not for the blessings, not so uh, uh, my life can be easier and things can just work out for me and God can prosper. I don't seek God for the blessings. I seek his face. Now watch this. You want to write this down. If you seek his hand... You will miss his face, but if you seek his face, you'll find both. That's the gospel right there, friends. When you come to God with that kind of heart, man, he wants to bless you, but don't fall in the trap of seeking his hand. Seek his face. Let me tell you what I believe the prize is, what I believe that we're supposed to be pursuing with all of our hearts, what the world's greatest reward is, the thing that we should hunger and thirst after, the thing that should motivate us above anything else, the greatest thing that you can have on planet Earth, that prize is knowing Jesus. That's the prize, man. Not what he can do for you, not how he can bless you. That's irrelevant, man. Knowing Jesus is what should motivate us, should be the passion of our hearts, the reason we get out of bed in the mornings, knowing Jesus. He's the prize, King's house. Philippians 3, 4 says this. Paul's bragging on his accolades just a little bit. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I got more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Watch this. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's surprised, man, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them 
garbage, all those accomplishments, all those accolades, when compared to knowing Jesus, they're garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I don't know about anybody in this room, but I want to know Christ, man. I want to know him. This is the reward. This is what I'm pursuing. It's easy to read those kind of words from Paul and just think, ah, man, that was probably early on in his ministry. He's a little green, still a young pup. Paul hadn't lived much life, right? I remember when I used to be passionate and then life happens. Yeah, the people who have discouraged me more than anybody else on planet earth is people that used to be passionate for Jesus. Lost person never wants to scourge me, man. They never told me to slow down. I don't make them uncomfortable. Religious people doing nothing, boy, they don't like me at all. But that's not anybody in this room. Yeah. It's important to note that Paul is actually writing this at the end of his life. Paul's writing this from prison. Far, far, far from his first rodeo friends, actually Paul has already traveled the world. He's already been shipwrecked, stoned, snake bit, already been put in prison. God's already miraculously delivered him before. He's done all that. He's already seen the third heaven. Can't even describe the beauty and the majesty of what he saw. Paul's already, man, he's traveling. He's cast out demons. He's healed the sick. He's preached to the multitudes. Anything that we could hold in high esteem and say, man, Paul, wow. He's already done all that. It's the end of his life, but you have to hear his heart cry after all those years and all that he's accomplished and all that he's endured and experienced still. This is still his prayer in verse 10. I want to know Christ, man. That's it. I want to forget all that other stuff. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, this burning passion. I want to know him. Well, Mark, don't you think that Paul already knew him? Well, for sure. I mean, the dude's changing the world. He knew Christ. But that's the crazy thing about knowing Christ. The more you seek him, the more you find him, the more you fall in love with him, the more you understand his beauty, his mad, the more you see that there's nothing else in the world that can even come close to, to comparing to him and you just can't help. I wanna know him more. I wanna know him more. Uh, man, if there's one thing I could pray for you this year that you would get a hold of this. You would forget about the blessings and the job promotions and the money. I mean, forget all that. Just single-heartedly, single-mindedly. God, I wanna know you. When you start knowing Jesus, everything else just makes sense. When you prioritize a relationship with him, everything else just has this way of falling into place, man. It's too simple, it's too easy, but that's the truth. I wanna know him. The great men and women of God discovered this truth that Jesus is the prize. Knowing him, that is the reward, that's the prize. King David in Psalm chapter 27, understand that this is the most powerful person on planet earth. That he is the most famous, the most wealthy. He could have anything he wanted. King David, anything, dream it up. Nothing was impossible. But listen to the cry of his heart. One thing I ask of the Lord, one. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord 
all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Verse 8 says, my heart says of you, seek my face. His response is, your face, Lord, I will seek We literally just sang about it, but we come to God with this heart and this attitude of God, all I want is you. Nothing else, nothing else, Jesus, I just want you. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the only thing I seek, I wanna gaze on his beauty. I wanna seek him in his temple all the days of my life. He's the reward, King's House. He's the prize. You want to win? Get busy finding Jesus. And then find him some more, and then find him some more, and find him some more, and find him some more. You want your life to change? Get a hold of Jesus. You don't need another sermon. We're sermon to death. We need to get a hold of Jesus. We don't need another podcast, another YouTube video. We need Jesus. We don't need to hear a few more fancy songs. We need some Jesus. You need God to revolutionize your marriage. You need Jesus. You're struggling with addiction today. You need Jesus. Your life's falling apart. You need Jesus. Jesus. Find him. Jesus. 10 or 11 years ago, my life was in a very different place than it is today. I've been open and honest and shared about it numerous times, but I feel like I'm supposed to share this aspect of it today. It's so very important. Ministry in my life had come to a screeching halt. Everything that I touched failed. And not just failed, but failed miserably. I mean, everything that I attempted was an epic failure. And this went on for years. And man, I was broke like a joke. And I mean, I just, I failed. Everywhere I turned around. I didn't process that well. I didn't handle that well. Obviously, there were some heart issues. I found myself crippled with depression, hopelessness, like uh, this dark cloud that I just couldn't get out from under. I mean, it, it crippled my life. I can look back today and see that wasn't the enemy working. That was God working in my life. Come on. It's not always comfortable or easy when God's working in your lives. But he was, man, stripping me down, revealing to me my true hearts, my true motives, my true desires, woo, painful, 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 painful. Greatest few years of my life, painful. I knew I was in a horrible, horrible situation and I had to get a hold of Jesus. So I did what I knew how to do, man. I just, I started seeking God. And when you seek, what's gonna happen? You're gonna find him. That's a promise. When you seek him, you're gonna find him. I'm seeking him one day in my basement. I hear the Lord ask me a question, very clearly. He said, Mark, if you never preach again, if you never sing again, if you never stand on another stage, if you never get on another airplane, like if all that is gone permanently, if the rest of your life is just me and you in this basement, is that enough for you? Would you still seek me? Would you still follow me with your whole heart? Would you still, I mean, or or is it attached to, to all these other things? Ouch, man. I mean, obviously Jesus wouldn't be asking that question if he didn't already know the answer, right? I felt like Peter, after he denied Christ and the Lord's reinstating him, but he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Like, ah, stop asking that, Lord. I had some serious soul searching to do. It became very clear to me in that moment that my identity, my value, my self-worth, my purpose, had all somehow, I didn't want it to happen, but it did. It had gotten attached to what I did. 
if I did enough, if I spoke enough, if I somehow attached to some kind of result, you know, that was where my self-worth came from. And again, I don't know how it happened, but somewhere along the way, I fell more in love with doing the work of God than I was in love with the God I was supposed to be doing the work for. Does that make sense? Somewhere along the way, I lost that heart cry of David, the one thing I ask. It wasn't that anymore. And man, I remember getting down on my knees and tears just rolling down this face. And I made a new, fresh commitment to Jesus that day. I said, Jesus, if I never preach another sermon, if I never get on another plane, if I never sing another, take it all away. Jesus, if it's just me and you here in this dark old basement for the rest of my life, Jesus, all I want is you. Jesus, you are enough for me. I don't need anything else, Jesus. I just need you. It's the place that he wants to get all of us to. But we're not seeking his hand, seeking his benefits. Jesus, I just want you. I'm seeking your face. Keep the benefits. Keep the blessings. You are the blessing. Knowing you is the blessing. And my life was completely set free and revolutionized through that season of my life. And I'm so thankful for it today. Things became so incredibly clear for me. I can confidently stand before you today and say, hey, God's doing some amazing things at the King's house. He is. He has the last four years. God doing amazing things around the world. But can I tell you something? Mark Hannon is not called to pastor the King's house. I'm not. That's my current assignment. That, that, that's where he has me positioned currently. But my self-worth, my value, my purpose in life is not in any way, shape, or form hinged to the King's house. Like, I don't wake up in the morning and just, oh, it feels good to be the pastor of the king's house. Oh, yeah. Woo! It doesn't motivate me. It's my current assignment. But in that basement all those years ago, I found my calling. And Mark Hennon is called to be a full-time lover of Jesus. Mark Hennon is called to know him and to make him known. Listen, nobody else has any control or any power over that situation. The only person who controls my relationship with Jesus is me, myself, and I. All hell can be going on in my life and I can still be a full-time lover of Jesus. Listen, I hope this assignment lasts for a long time, man. This is my home and you're my people and I love you more than I could ever tell you. Like, that's the truth. But if God told me to leave tomorrow, man, I'm going to struggle and I'm going to fight and that's not what I want to do at all, God. But eventually I'm going to say, okay, Lord, wherever you want me, I could resign tomorrow, move, start some other job. My assignment would change, but my calling would not. I would wake up the next day and I would still be a full-time lover of Jesus Christ. My calling would still be to know him and to make him known. This is the highest calling. This is the greatest opportunity. Who cares if you ever stand behind one of these things? It's overrated, by the way. Maybe your assignment's the base. Maybe your assignment's a school teacher. Maybe your assignment's Walmart. Maybe your assignment's Walgreens or the prisoner. Wherever. That's your assignment. And you're there for a purpose. And God can use you. But friends, that's not your calling. 
You are called to know God and to make him known. You are called to fall more in love with Jesus every single day of your life. And the more you fall in love with him, the more you can't help but love him. And you just fall more in love and more in love. And this is what his purpose is for your life. It is. He is the prize. He is the reward. Take all this away. All of it. Lights, camera, action, big, beautiful. I mean, take it all away. And I still have everything because I still got Jesus. <laughs> My hope isn't built on this, man. It's built on the firm foundation, the solid rock. Would you bow your heads this morning? Jesus, I love you so much. God, I pray that you take these words and you plant them in good soil, Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Mark, I honestly don't know if I know him. That's a problem. Jesus said, I know my sheep. That word in the Greek is gnosko. That means to have an intimate relationship. I know my sheep and my sheep hear my voice. Pastor Mark, I just don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I know him. Friends, you need to know. Listen, you weren't born saved. You haven't always been saved. Well, I come to church every single Sunday. That's fine. Coming to church don't make you a Christian. Sleeping in a garage don't make you a car. Going to McDonald's every day don't make you a cheeseburger. You can come to church every single Sunday and Wednesday and you can be absolutely lost. I want to ask you the question this morning, do you know him? Is he the passion of your heart? Is he the reward that you're seeking after? Or is he just another name on a long list of checklists that you got to knock off in a week's time? Friends, I want to give you an opportunity today to make the greatest decision you're ever going to make in your life. To know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yes, I have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm taking the first most important step of a life of knowing him and experiencing him. If you're here this morning, you would just say, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure, but I would really like to be sure that I'm born again. I just want to say yes to Jesus this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. Come on. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. Man, I see those hands and those hands and those hands and those. That hand, thank you, Jesus. Some more hands. Anybody else? I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to know. Praise God. Would you just grab the hand of the person next to you? I hate the thought of someone being afraid, praying alone. It's not a magic prayer, but if you pray it with all your heart and you mean it, man, I believe God's going to do something revolutionary in your life today. King's House, just pray after me and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I'm ready to turn away. I need you to be my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead, and I believe you are the only way to heaven. From this day forward, my whole life belongs to you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to experience you. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Hey, give God some praise for the five people that just said yes to Jesus this morning. God is so good. Get on that Church Center app. 
Sign up for a discipleship class for a home group for the marriage conference. Listen, as we dismiss, I just want to invite the prayer team to come. Man, if you said yes to Jesus and you want to pray with somebody, if you have any prayer needs in your life whatsoever, this prayer team is available. Pray for Sean and myself as we leave tomorrow. God bless you, King's House. Have a great week. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you're ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you'd like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church forward slash giving. Or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet each week at 124 V. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your children before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at our website. Hey, we know life is busy. So be sure to click the subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages. You can even listen to King's House Worship original songs from Spotify, Apple Music, or other streaming services. We look forward to seeing you soon.